management today was perfect. So, you know, I said we should record at seven. And then at like 4.45, I was like, okay, now I need to do the things that I'm going to do before seven. So I like worked out. I had a meeting with my advisee for my sorority. I took a shower. I ate dinner. And then it's like, everything was perfect. At 6.55, I was like pulling my computer up and like getting everything set up. And I was like, Laurel, like... Yeah. I, I, I just picked it, seven arbitrarily. I was like, I don't know. I guess I'd be done around seven. <laughs> something must be in alignment because I feel like I had a similar thing too where I was working on a, a work project and like it's been kind of occupying my mind. It's not even really a work project because right now I'm basically there. I'm in between projects and they're kind of like go off and, you know, the next thing we're going to be working on isn't using the same software that we are working on. So it's not like I can do anything. Yeah. Until that point. So they're just like, go kind of do your own projects, like play some games and think about how we could use some Mm -hmm. of their stuff or whatever. So I've been doing a a side project and I was like, okay, like at a certain time I just sat back and I looked around like, oh, this gives me exactly the amount of time to like decompress and not think about this because sometimes I get very laser focused on something, Mm -hmm. have some dinner get ready, get everything set up, and then boom. Like, typically I screw it up and then I'm like five minutes late or I'm five minutes early or something like that. Exactly. Like, at 6.30, I was like, oh, I should probably text Ryan and tell him I'm going to be a little late. And then I was like, let's just see how things play out, Laurel. (laughs) And, like, I just, I didn't feel rushed during any of this either. Like, I didn't rush my workout. I didn't rush my meeting. (laughs) I, like, didn't rush my shower or anything. I was like... But you weren't, like, lazing around. You were just, like... that, yeah, like, like I was just, just like moving from thing to thing. Um, uh, secondly, uh, what a or, nice feeling that is. Uh, it <laughs> is like I just like when you text me, we're like seven still work. I was like, yes, yes, it does. <laughs> um, but secondly, um, I, I don't know if this is like a sign of adulthood or nerddom, but I got a label maker today, and I'm so excited. Uh. But is yours like digital and everything? And well, I'm assuming I, I'll, that's how they all are now. I'll, I'll yeah, show, I'll show it to you. It's right here. It's, this would uh, be super. Ooh, it looks like it looks like a little. Looks like a a big calculator. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's got a, a keyboard. Screen. So no, it's not a digital one. They do have ones that you just like plug into your smartphone. And oh, no there's an app, and then it, like what you plug into your smartphone is basically just the printer, and then there's an app yes. that just like you know talks to it. So um, no, the, 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 it looks like um, if you ever remember those like virtual assistants they like sold to teenagers, it was like my it was called like my virtual diary and stuff. Um, yeah, th- this is exactly what uh, like what it looks like. It's much thicker, but yeah. So now. You said it wasn't digital. It's technically digital. And I only say that because growing up, I had a full-on analog one. Have you ever seen one of those? No. So it's a wheel with all the letters on it. Because what you do is you spin it to the letter you want and you click it real hard and it pushes like a typewriter almost. No, because it doesn't have it doesn't have ink. But it's like input it's it pushes. A, the letter R into a blue piece of tape so that when it comes up, the blue goes away. So it looks like it was written in white. And it was that's how old it what was. What makes you think that in 20, the year of our Lord, 2020, <laughs> I am you, that is the label maker I'm excited to tell you about. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe it'd be like Tom Hanks gets old uh, <laughs> typewriters, typewriters. Yes. And you're like, I get old <laughs> crafting materials. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and the, the reason I got this label maker is I just got a greeting card organizer because mm. I have now bought like 
three of the same greeting card. Every time I see it at a store, I'm like, I don't know how many of these I have. It has a giraffe on it. Those are my, that's my thing. And I was like, I'm always like, I don't know how many of these I have, so I'll buy another one. I just realized I have six of the same greeting card. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Oh, I thought you had six of the same greeting card organizer. I'm like, oh no, Laurel. <laughs> no, no. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's just my, uh, my very productive Thursday. Anyway, weird aside, are you ready to talk about these two episodes of Frasier that are so near the end of this season? I am, and I'm actually, I'm really interested in your thoughts on this because I know that you, um, it covers a lot of storylines that you have enjoyed earlier in this season. And so I was like, I just wonder, I wonder what Ryan's thoughts are on these. All right. Hello, Seattle. I'm Ryan. I'm Laurel. And we're the Craniacs. We get together, we talk about Frasier, and today is no different. Uh, Laurel here is the uh, uh, longtime, uh, the... The longtime lover of Frasier. I am. This is a fresh new relationship. Me and Frasier. Actually, at this point, I feel like we're getting to, to getting to some getting serious. It's been six years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was gonna say. I mean, commit or get uh, off the pot, Ryan. Um. So this first one we're looking at. It is season six, episode twenty-one. When a man loves two women. Frasier has begun dating Cassandra Stone, the beautiful woman with whom he spent Valentine's Day. Everything is going quite well until Faye Moskowitz comes back to town and Frasier remembers how much he enjoyed spending time with her. So I'm excited to see... I love Virginia Madsen. I'm not a big fan of Cassandra Stone. Uh, That's a great way of putting it because I feel the same. I loved her from... I I really liked uh, Sideways when it came out. You know, I've never seen that. I showed it to Tara a while after it was popular and she really liked it. So it might be, it might still work. Like I just enjoy it because it's a man's life falling apart. And I just, I don't know. I kind of like, I I forgot the name of that director, but I like some of his other stuff like election and things like that. Oh, um, gosh, he was, he was Sandra O's husband at the time. Alexander. Yes. Hamilton. I was going to say King maybe. I want to say Alexander. It's one, it's one, it's one, one syllable. Yeah. We'll get there. But anyway, uh, she was in that, and I thought she was wonderful in that. And then it kind of, it's interesting because she had a very strange career. She pops up in random stuff. Like, she was the lead character in Candyman. Like, not Candyman, but the... Uh, oh, okay. The woman, which has had a weird resurgence lately. One, because uh, they remade it, and it's I think it got pushed back because of the uh, quarantine. But two, it's it's had this kind of re-emerging. Like, in hindsight, they look at it like this is a very important horror movie for uh, black culture in America, which is, I just kind of have, like, it's amazing how much I know about horror movies having not seen a whole lot of them. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. I'm never going to watch that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but, what else would people, what else would people know her from? There's some particular, like, I have her in my mind in one particular role, and I can't think of what, what I can't, f- like, fill in the rest of the picture. Uh, so the first two are Sideways and Candyman, and then Prophecy, and then Dune. So I guess she's done a lot of, yeah, she's done a lot of uh, genre stuff, which I don't think I realized. She was in Designated Survivor. Mm, yeah, which I didn't watch. It's a, This is something a while ago that I need to... Tara okay, watched that, yeah. Um, she's been in Law & Order. Now, now oh. I'm doing the thing right now, Laurel, that I do when Tara asks who an actress is, where I skip through everything and look for Law & Order... Uh, or NCIS or <laughs> Criminal Minds. I'm like, oh, you know him from this episode of Criminal Minds. Yes, that's what she does all the time. Oh, she's in American Dreams. I wonder if I like remember her. That might be what I remember from. I don't remember her being in there, but I loved that show. Did you watch American Dreams? No, I don't think I know about that. It was, um, it came on in, okay, I was a senior in high school, so it came on in 2002, and it was set, um, it, it's like set, uh, follows a family, the Pryor family in the 1960s, and they live in, I think, Philadelphia? 
Mm. Um, and there's like all American Roman Catholic family, you know, all of that. And it's like, you know, the kids go to Catholic school and all. It's just kind of like how the family takes on this like really dynamic decade. Um, mm. I only watched, I think, the first and maybe half of the second season. So, well, but, um, th- that's where Brittany Snow really got her start. Was American Dreams? Regardless, uh, she she is really like I, I she's lovely in this she is very very stunning, yes i think yes she's she's at some i i, I don't love her character her character yes. really annoys me um especially when she i forgot that she's so dismissive to daphne yeah that was interesting to me i i i liked because the whole point of this episode is he's, he's dating cassandra things are finally going well he figured out that she actually <laughs> likes him and isn't just super flirty and then uh Faye shows or yeah Faye shows up and then he starts dating Faye and it becomes this kind of like will they won't they and I know we've talked about like dating multiple people in the past and mm-hmm. about my thing of like I could barely handle one person like there's mm-hmm. no way I would ever date two people ever um but I just feel like this regardless of your thoughts of of, of like dating multiple people like this like Frazier sucks at talking to them <laughs> Like, yes, yes. I, I think Frazier is perhaps an example of somebody who should not be dating multiple people. Yes. <laughs> um, I, uh, although I was supportive of him, I was like, you are not exclusive to Cassandra and you're not exclusive to Faye. So if you want to date both of them, that's fine. Like you're not, you're doing nothing wrong right now <laughs> until one of them, until you decide you want to be exclusive with one of them. I, I mean, we'll go, we don't have to really go into this, but like, I think it's a little bit of a bummer that he's sleeping with both of them like i don't know if, if, to me yes. that's more of a commitment to a relationship than it might be yes. to other people that's that that is fair but like especially in fraser's case he's also bringing them back and having them meet his whole family in the morning and like, yes this is, this uh, which is a relationship I, I to, this is just a hookup I, I have to say i was um impressed with how sex positive that family is that oh. no one is like you know because it's still the 90s. Martin's yeah. from a different generation. Um, well, there's a there's something Martin says later where I'm like, Martin's inner perv is back. Oh, no, that's the next episode. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, I am just so, like, all over my notes, I keep saying he better pick Faye. Like, I, I love Faye. Faye was, I was definitely team Faye. I like her because... She can hold her own with him, but I think it's such a breath of fresh air for him. Yes, I think she's also not pretentious. I think she's all yeah. the intellectual parts of him without being pretentious. Because I, I definitely, when when he comes, after he's kind of gone back and forth who's going to be with when he shows up at Faye's apartment and she's wearing that, like, cut-off That tie-dye, tie-dye crop shirt. top, yeah. Oh, oh, what we've done, Laurel, is taken my uh, attractiveness to women, my att- attractiveness, my attraction to women who are comfortable and then created a sexy element by doing a crop top. And I was just like, oh, Faye Moskowitz. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, he just fanned himself like, like I do declare. <laughs> <laughs> like a, like an old lady in church. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I just, I was like immediately like, like he was like, oh, look at the outfit. I was like, then get out of the way, Frazier. <laughs> well, yeah, when he was like, the rest of us. When he was like, good God, what is she wearing? I was like. You didn't even tell her you were coming over. She could have been yeah. like painting something. <laughs> like, come yeah, on. Yeah, I did. Although the, the the comedy I think worked really well, where he was so excited about it, and then it did what she was thinking, and she was like, "Oh, he's so pretentious." Blah blah blah. Speaking of which, I really like the scene where uh, 
Cassandra was admitting to being, you know, not being exclusive with Frazier and yes. saying she was with someone named Sloan. And he was like, what a pretentious name is that? And it made me think, like, why did Martin agree to Frazier? Like, uh, I wait, I uh, remember weren't Frazier and Niles the names of his mom's lab rats? Were they? Don't they, didn't they find their mom's journal and, and they realized that she had all these insights about them and their psyche and then, and they were like, oh my God, this explains so much. It was around the time Niles was going to break up with Maris and they're yeah, like, okay. oh my God, this, this means so much. And then they flip to the end and they're like, it's like Niles died today. And it was like, <laughs> or Frazier died today. And it was yeah. like, the only comfort is that I've, I've decided to name my firstborn child who I'm pregnant with right now. Like when I give birth in two weeks, Frazier. So, um, do you, but do you still think, like, it seems, that seems like a weird name. I guess Martin was just, like, went along with her, kind of let her raise them. Yeah, I mean, you you, do get the, you also get the sense that Martin was just, like, so, like, besotted by her that he was just like, mm -hmm. sure, whatever, like, whatever name you want to give them, so. Yeah, this is, I just like that whole joke about what kind of a, uh, uh, they, they, they presented it well, because I liked where he's like, what kind of a pretentious name is Sloan? And she was Frazier. And I was like, and then like immediately like letting you, the audience know, like, this is what we're getting at. Well, what's funny is granted he's not a venture capitalist, but there's a character on Grey's Anatomy, which is set in Seattle named Mark Sloan, who is, mm. whose nickname is McSteamy because he's played by Eric Dane and oh, is very yeah. attractive. So when she's like talking about this venture capitalist, I was like, or a plastic surgeon. If you want to hear our thoughts on uh, Eric Dane a little more, check out the editing bay when we see him as multiple man. In oh, that's right. <laughs> oh man. Um, I mean, but also like, don't feel like you need to watch X-Men 3 in order to check out that episode. <laughs> no. Um, I, 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 one thing I do have on here in huge, all both letters is who could have foreseen this unfortunate turn of events? Because it just felt so typical to like a, like of episode of Frasier, but just any sitcom at this time of like, Oh look, you're dating two women. Uh Oh, and, and they both show up at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I did have a pet peeve though, because, um, when he runs into Faye at Nervosa and they decide to have dinner that night and then she's leaving his apartment the next morning, she's wearing a completely different outfit. She's wearing a dress. And I was like, at Nervosa, oh. you were wearing pants and a, and a button up. I mean, maybe she was like, oh, if we're going to go there for dinner, I'm going to go home and change. That could have happened. But I was well, like, I guess you don't have to have coffee in the morning, but it, to me, it felt like he was there for coffee and they just spent the whole day together. So God knows. I mean, who knows? People go to coffee shops at all times of day, but, um, I mean, I, I have just a lot of LOLs Same. in this episode. When Roz tells him at Nervosa when he's talking about him and Cassandra and she starts talking about Alice's first birthday party, which, by the way, she said she's invited all Alice's little friends. No one invites kids to a first birthday party. Right. It's a party for the adults to celebrate keeping their kid alive for a year. So, yes. And if any of those adults happen to have kids, that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. Um, and he's uh, Roz tells Frazier that he was so much easier to be around when he was horny and pathetic. Well, I found very is, funny. Is this the one or is it the next one where she, oh, she's, yeah, she's talking about all the bear suits and everything she's going to do. And if, if, to me, I was like, oh, this is like when I start talking about wrestling on the podcast. Like, uh -huh. Things you could care less. Uh -huh. And I like Roz is just like, so tell me about your problems. Um, yes. I like the whole thing where it's like the whole bit where uh, uh, Niles keeps coming back in the morning to go to squash match with Frazier and he keeps having to cancel it because someone else is over. And the first time he does it where he goes, He's like, he says something and then Faye comes out and he's like, oh, I'm up to speed. Yes, I, I wrote that down too. That was a good one. And then when she left, I like, got any more hiding in the grotto, Hef? <laughs> yes, I wrote that down too. 
Niles had some really good ones. Um, yeah, there were some really good, um, really good bon mots in this um, episode. Uh, I really enjoyed when he and Faye were trying to get tickets to the Surratt exhibit at the art museum. And they're like, oh, I hope they aren't sold out. And he says, well, if they are, que Surratt, Surratt. <laughs> well, and then she goes, it was really much funnier yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, I also enjoyed that because I know George Surratt, and not personally, but like I know his work yeah. and you, you know his work too. Um, if, if you, if I, if you saw it, you would know what it was, but he was famous for pointillism, which is one of my mm. favorite, like art, art forms, if you will. Um, yeah. I get real close to the paintings and look at them like this. Boy, so. I wish I could have screen capped that real quick. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was attractive. Um, um I, it, it, you're attractive from all angles, Laurel. Don't worry. Uh, it was just kind of oh. funny because it was just like your nose and your eyeballs. Like you're doing like a Kilroy is here thing. I did like, I'm starting to think Napoleon had a Fraser complex. Oh, yes. Um, also, when Niall says he's going to flip a coin to help Fraser, and then he, as, after he flips it, he says, admit it. You want, want you like, I have done that to people. When friends are trying to make a decision, I'm like, let's flip a coin. And then I'm like, oh, like, admit it. Who, like, like what, what, you, there's one that you're hoping it is more than the other. I do that a lot when friends, um, well, when friends are dating two people. And I'll, I'll be like, okay, you just got a text message. Who do you hope it's from? And my friends are like, oh, <laughs> that really worked, Laurel. Just over here, you know, solving problems. I thought Daphne's American accent when she was impersonating Cassandra was, really was good. fantastic. I, however, when the, she did say dumped in her... Uh, British accent was like doomed. You've been doomed. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like when she first says, like, what word did she just say? And then someone, like, I context clues figured out it was dumped. But I definitely wrote down D O O M P E D. Doomed. <laughs> um, the only other note I have that I feel like I, I want to make sure is said is that Faye can do so much better than Fraser. She could. I really like Faye a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just like, it's like a- Amy Brenneman, like, you know, just know that. You, you could do better. So you want to rate it? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to rate it... I'm going to rate it seven brand cereals because I really like this one a lot. Oh, we didn't talk about their cute little Mort, the breakfast ritual between Martin and Daphne, yes. which I thought was adorable. I thought I thought they was going to end up talking about how they were they felt they were a married couple or something, mm. but I like that it was just... We all just got that they were in sync. Yeah, I just thought that was... It, it reminded me a little bit of one of my roommates in D.C., the, the male roommate that I had. We, we were a little like that with our morning... We had one bathroom, and we were like that with our morning, like, bathroom thing of, like, I would poke my head in, and he would, like, hand me my toothbrush and toothpaste, and I'd be like, thanks! And we had this whole, like, thing. So, anyway. Um, I would give this... I would also give the seven um, hideous silk bathrobes that both Faye and Cassandra wear. <laughs> well, they're wearing the same one, aren't they? It's just exactly. Yes, so I just I was like, oh, that bathroom does not. Mm. Anyway, I do want to point out that I love brand cereal. Like I don't know why, I just love it. Do you have a, a particular brand? Um, um like, like all it's, brand? It's like or? it's something. I don't even know what it's called because it's like the most boring name ever. But it's like this. It was this Kellogg's one I had for a while. It was like all. It might have been all brand. It might have just been like complete or something like that. It's one where they're like. Look, if you're coming to get this cereal, you know what you're getting. No one's going to buy this off the shelf with this box. So we're just going to name it, like, Cereal TM. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That reminds me of, did you ever, this is from the 70s. There was an SNL, one of those SNL fake commercials for a cereal. A blow? No, no. It was oh, a cereal okay. called Quarry, and it was rocks. 
And no. the whole family is eating rocks and the crunching is so loud that you can't hear anything else. I will find that and post it. That's like, I remember seeing that at a very young age, probably in some like retrospective that I was watching with my parents. And I just remember laughing. And I like to think that's when my love of SNL started. Was then. Did, you, did you ever see Colon Blow? That sounds familiar. It was, it was specific. Like the name is the dirtiest part of the whole skit. But it's like specifically a brand cereal. He's like, you enjoying your brand cereal? He's like, yeah. What if I told you that there's a brand cereal that gives you more brand? How much more? Well, how much do you think? He's like, I don't know, 10 bowls. And it's like, whoa. And his chair raises up on like 10 bowls. Like, no. He's like, you'd have to eat 2,000 bowls to get one of one colon blow. And he's like, ah. And then like, and now new ultra colon bowl blow. And he's like, what? And it did the, like the pyramid of bowls of cereal just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it's Phil Hartman just like, ah the whole time um, um is the cereal that you eat called total yes yes my no, dad no, 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 used no. to eat that total maybe i think it's literally called like total complete breakfast or something there was also that brand cereal that was just called like four i remember it had a huge number four on it because it was like maybe it's four servings of fiber or something i don't it's all brand complete that's what it is all brand complete Ugh. so it's like all like all brand Okay, yeah, right. So there's all brand, which so this is like this is, this is I hope somebody out there is really enjoying brand talk, which is probably going to be the name of this episode. It is. But oh, like, I, I just thought that to myself. It's going to be brand talk. The one I like, which is pretty good, has is like flake. So it's like raisin brand without, but they're thicker. But I, I, it's 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 nothing else. But you can get one that's like all brand that comes in a tiny tiny box. Cause it just looks like, it looks like the thing you go when you get uh, a quarter for like petting zoo pellets. Oh yeah. And I had that once cause I like a big bowl of cereal and it, I, I will leave it at, it ruined my day. <laughs> <laughs> like I was at work and I maybe got three hours of work done. It was not good. <laughs> it was a rough day. And I was like, well, we could just throw this away. But they do have a recipe on the back for how to on the back for how to make uh, raisin bran muffins that are very very good. Well, I was gonna say it sounds like you should do a little bit of that cereal with a lot of like the flakes. I'm doing okay with just the flakes. Okay. Right now, I'm just doing honey nut Cheerios, but I do okay with just the flakes. I will never have that. That other one is for like I have swallowed a, a Lego <laughs> set and I need to pass it. Like that's what it was. It was rough. And listeners, all I have to say is I don't eat cereals, so. <laughs> The next episode, season six, episode 22, is called Visions of Daphne. Uh, Martin sees Donnie buy an engagement ring for Daphne and while relaying the information to Frasier, accidentally tells the bride to be herself. When Niles finds out, he is absolutely devastated. This whole episode should have been, Martin should keep his big trap shut. Like, if he hadn't told Frasier, uh, Daphne wouldn't have overheard. If Daphne wouldn't have overheard, you know, like... Oh, that's a really good point. Martin telling Frasier that really set all of the conflict of this episode into yes. motion. So Daphne ended up going to Niles to talk to him. And I, I I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit just because this was so um, touching was when Daphne, I'm sorry, when Donnie proposes to Daphne and she accepts and they all go into the kitchen, Frasier and Niles and Martin go to the kitchen to get champagne and everything. Yes. And they're comforting him. And then, Martin sends Frazier back out. He's like, take this champagne out. And he just turns to, oh my, I almost started crying. He just turns to Niles and he was like, I would give anything to like take this feeling away from you. Yeah. 
it was so I, I'm like getting a little choked up thinking about it I was just like it was such a like parent thing to say and it was just I mean both of them were acted that scene so well I just oh this one was kind of weighty in a weird way for a Frasier episode. And sometimes I think it really hit it on the head. And sometimes I think it missed its mark. And But this was one of the times where I really felt it hit it. I also liked Donnie's proposal. It was kind of like a silly, sappy oh, story. Right. Yeah. But I liked Saul Rubinick's delivery like, Delivery of it was just kind of like, it was really cute. Like it was, it was, it felt like Saul was really, you know, it felt, it felt heartfelt. Yeah, it felt genuine, um, and it matched the character very, like, very much. So, and I don't know how much time we're supposed to think has passed since he and Daphne first started Dinks. Everyone's kind of like, oh, it's kind of soon, and um, I guess it's been, like, probably six months, maybe? It's. I mean, it's been, I think he first appeared in the second half of the season after. Mm-hmm. Oh, he definitely so did, yeah. So it's probably just a few months, yeah. Um, But... Let me see. Let me get back to my notes now. Oh, uh, when Daphne was talking about um, her wedding and how, like, how amazing, at the very beginning, when she's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting married. And she at one point references, um, she's you know, painting the picture of the day, like my brothers in their best suits and everything. Yeah. And then she's, and she says something about the vicar. And I, I love the word vicar. I love that the British people like call um, like their pastors vicars. That reminds me. Have you ever watched the TV show, the British show, The Vicar of Dibley? No, there's another one with a vicar. No, I'm thinking about the midwife. Call the midwife. That's not anything with a vicar, but yes. No, okay. The Vicar of Dibley is a delightful show from the 90s about a small town in England that ends up Dibley that gets a female vicar and they are like, don't know what to do with the fact that they have a female vicar. She's played by Don French, who's this amazing British comedian. And it's just a charming, charming show. Um, and it's funny because it ran for like three or four seasons. And then they kept doing specials. And the last special was in like 2008 or something. It was much later than after the show ended. Um, I know it, it's, occasionally, it's occasionally on PBS. Um, so, um, yeah, I just I encourage people to, to check it out. Um, and... If anybody else is just a fan of like those little thirty-minute British comedies, um, let me know some I should watch. But *The Vicar of Dibley* is just like utterly charming. One of the actresses in it um, is in *Notting Hill*. She plays Hugh Grant's sister in *Notting Hill*. She's one. Of, she's the vicar's assistant. Have you seen this one that my mom watches, where it's like uh, Ron Weasley's dad is a pastor and he like solves mysteries? It's like oh Father Brown no. Or something. I think it's really called the Father Brown Mysteries or something. I haven't. I truly have not seen Ron Weasley's dad at anything else. So oh, you should work. check out if you have Disney Plus the uh, 1996 version of 101 Dalmatians because him and Hugh Laurie are the two guys in there. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. It is, I, it's it's also an episode on Taryn Ryan's Princess Diaries, and we were I was shocked at how good it was. Like I was like. I can't believe we're watching this. And then we watched it. I'm like, I really like this. The the live action one? The 1996 yes. one? Oh, Written okay. by well, John Hughes. Oh. Like Home Alone, old yeah. 80s teen comedy. Yeah, John no, I, I, I'm very familiar. Um, wow. Because it I feels mean, like Home Alone in like the last half. 
you, you think about that movie though, I and mean, what a bunch of heavy hitters that movie had. Mm-hmm. Glenn Close was it Jeff Jeff Daniels? Jeff Daniels, Hugh Laurie, J- Jolie Richardson, who's you know, I mean, not as much of a heavy hitter, but still mm-hmm. classy. Um, I forgot the actress who played Nana, but she was also good. Like everybody, oh, was solid. Yes. Um. Oh my gosh. I've yes, I've seen her in something. Um. She's been in something else, and now I can't think of what it is. So anyway, yes. Now I've completely lost the thread of where we were. Um, oh, Vicar uh, Dibley. Um. Uh, I I love that when Niles, after Daphne tells him about her vision that her dream man is wearing a red bow tie, that he shows up in a red bow tie and says he was just feeling a bit kicky today. Yeah. I I also remembered that differently, that he shows up in an obnoxiously large red bow tie. It's like clown sized. So when it was (laughs) small, I was like, hmm, that is not how I remember it. I just, there's so much of this, like, I'm I'm so sick of the the comedy of, Daphne just talks and talks and isn't paying attention to Niles and he's doing stuff specifically for us, the audience. I've seen it so many times. I'm done with it. I think it's actually starting to make it look like Daphne doesn't notice Niles and I don't think that's the direction they want to go in. I'm, I'm just over it. So like, I was very over that in this. Interestingly though, she goes to Niles for like, Mm -hmm. you know, to his office. Like we rarely see Niles and Daphne alone when it's not some, some, not like her helping him with something at his apartment. So like she, she goes to him for his like advice and stuff, which I think kind of perhaps was like, maybe, maybe they heard you, you know, many years ago, Ryan. They and they were me. like, you know, we, we need to do something to show people that Niles and Daphne actually have some sort of relationship and they aren't just like circle. They aren't just like planets orbiting yeah. the same star that they actually, their orbits intersect. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, but I just, it's more of the structure of that scene that bothers me, less of what, of less of what it implies narratively. Like, I, I feel like I've seen that scene a million times, and it's Daphne and Niles slightly in the background, so only us, the audience, can see him. And then she talks her way through a solution. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just over it. I, I think that we are in, I, I want to say that starting with the next season, there's a, like, tonal shift in Frasier. Mm. Um, because I mean, Daphne, um, and this is where I have to like, look at the episode guide to remind myself of some of the episodes, but I mean, definitely in Niles' storyline, because I mean, and, and in Daphne's like Daphne is now engaged to Donnie. So like you see like what kind of how that plays out, how Niles has to kind of like give up on this dream that he's had for so long and kind of like what that looks like for him. Cause we don't know Niles when he's not jones in after daphne and also like bitching about maris <laughs> right well i did see one bit of spoiler in the next two episodes which is a two-part episode um which is a scene coming up that i i will tell you which scene i've been excited for the scene for a while i don't know why it has entered my you know going back to the the, the planetary metaphor entered my orbit but ever since i knew it i've been waiting with this podcast for this scene and it's coming up in the next series um do you want me to tell you, or do you want to do you want to watch them and guess if you can tell which one? No, I no, tell about? me. I, I thought you were about to tell me. Oh, well, I want to leave it out for the listeners, but it's the scene where they all sing Goldfinger. Oh, because <laughs> I'm such a James Bond nerd. That kind of like okay. showed up in a YouTube thing. I was like, what is this? And they're all at a bar singing, like lamenting something and singing Goldfinger on the piano. This okay? I have all the story to tell about that when we get anyway. When we get to it, the um, when we get to it. 
it might have been because of that one piano thing I'm always referencing where they're mm-hmm. singing. Like, I probably looked up on YouTube, Frasier Piano, and there's like, mm-hmm. Frasier Martin and Niall sing Goldfinger. I'm like, oh, I don't care if this is a spoiler. I gotta watch this. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't spoil too much. But yeah. um, I um, just, I, I guess I'm curious because I, like, is this a VIE? Probably. Probably. It probably needs to be seen to understand like a big step going forward in Frasier. I agree with that. I it, it, can something be a VIE and I not like it because <laughs> I didn't really like this episode. So it's it's funny because I, I don't actually I feel like I have absolutely no feelings about this episode other than I recognize how important it is. But I don't ever look yeah. at this episode as to whether or not it's a positive or a negative thing. That's I, I agree with that. I wouldn't say I don't when I say I don't like it. It, mean, it doesn't mean I actively dislike it. I just don't like it I, I i the absence of like is what is happening right here it's just kind of a meh yeah yeah i, th- uh, I thought it tried to have some like really heavy scenes that that some did okay but like the ending where she's like i see a man with a dragon and then like niles takes out the dragon i think what they wanted us to all go is go <gasps> And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, whatever. This isn't like if it had been something they, they want, they, they didn't earn some of the moments they wanted. And I was thinking about like in the office, like we just saw this, the, the scene, the, the episode of the office where Stanley yells at Michael and says like, did I stutter? And then they have that mm-hmm. confrontation at the end. And that confrontation is we like, we went back and watched it again. Cause it's, it's one of my favorite parts in the series of like how well they handle the situation and how well they handle Michael's character with it. They, I just listened to the uh, business school episode or finished up the business school episode of office ladies where they're talking about Michael visiting Pam and like Michael's a ridiculous character and they do such a good job of, of giving weight to emotional scenes like that. And some of them Mm -hmm. in here just, I felt like they tried to like sandwich like five of them in this, in this series and they just didn't all work. Yeah, you you make a good point, and that you you already said this was a weighty episode. It is like an 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 unevenly weighty episode. Like parts of it are so heavy that it's that it, I don't know. It doesn't balance well. Yeah, like like, go, like talking about the business school episode of The Office, which I also just watched. Um, that it does a perfect job of balancing all of the emotions and the emotional heft that that episode contains. Yeah. And it's, there's also so much good comedy to bring it up to that, mm-hmm. that it like lifts you to this emotional spot that I think probably, you know, like in that one, it's just the, the emotionality is Michael just says he uh, is proud of, of Pam. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, a huge moment. And in this one, it's Niles is realizing he can't be with the one he loves and and mm-hmm. Daphne is moving on and blah 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 and it's like okay like it just seems flat compared to something that was not as important but still felt better in the way mm-hmm. they presented it. I also think after watching that business school one that might be one of the best episodes of The Office and possibly TV because it's got I I always think of the three things that happened in that episode as three separate episodes. Oh, okay, that's fair. I haven't listened to the Office Ladies episode for that. I'm a little behind on their um, on their episodes because mainly because I just finished the Ben Franklin episode, which I think, like I texted you, I think <laughs> might be the best episode of Office Ladies I've heard thus far. Which is saying a lot because there's a lot of good episodes. I love Andy Daly. So when the fact that they brought him in there and the fact that like he, that's one of my favorite characters in is that is that bit at the end where he's like he just knew all those facts about Ben Franklin. So yes, he just spit yes. them out. So good. 
Um, he's got a, po- a new podcast that is one of the weirdest things I've ever listened to, and I loved it. It's called Bonanas for Bonanza. Yes. You, have you seen? Have you heard of it? Yes. Well, he talked about it in, in the episode. Oh, of, he did. He did. He did. Yes, because actually, mom, um, I'm not, I know you're listening. You, you need to listen to this <laughs> podcast. My mom loves Bonanza, and have so. You, oh, have you listened to that podcast? No. It's very odd. That's okay. Okay, let, let us know talk if about, you... If they talk about Bonanza, she'll be happy to, to listen along. Let us know if you like it. And is that the first time you've talked directly to your mother on our show? Oh, no. No, there, there are often times... Well, there are times when I kind of like third-person talk to her. I'm like, Mom, yes. I'm sure you're like yelling at the microphone right... You're oh, yelling right, at the right, phone right, 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 right now, so... I didn't, couldn't remember if you ever just yeah. directly... Mom, also remind her. me to call <laughs> and... <laughs> I was going to make that same joke. It's like this, this this podcast has just become like and then you start saying reminders to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get real thing where you can if you if you do it just right, you'll say on the podcast, Siri, set a reminder, and then like when you're listening to it again, it'll do it. <laughs> yes. Siri, um, remind me to email Ryan about not wanting to do the podcast. I mean, what? Oh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I, I think that's all I got on this one. If you want to go ahead, I, yeah, no, I, I have a few notes that I don't know what they're referencing, but um, I, I did write like three different times about just how good DHP's uh, performance is yeah. and how just again that kitchen scene is just like I, I think the performances are all good. I don't think the writing was there, in my opinion. I also wrote down like, "Gosh, Donnie is great," and I'm not sure what part of the episode that's in reference to, but like. I, I, I did love that Donnie was... Yeah. I, I liked his... Part of the reason I really liked his uh, engagement speech is uh, I don't remember what I told Tara. She doesn't remember what I told her. It is lost to time because I go, eh, I'll just wing it. And then she was so worried that she's like, I think he's... In, he's Apparently I was like... Like she thought you were. A, she didn't. She think you were going to break up with her. Yes, because it was kind of like the 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 last episode. She was like, she was worried about that. So. You know, I would hearing his and how well thought out it was, I was like, oh, I thought, you know, it was it was humbling, but also very romantic and very I liked it a lot. I liked it. I liked yeah. it. I also uh, remember that at the end when Martin is still looking for his TV guide, that TV guide mentioned that like a few weeks later in their cheers and jeers. <laughs> they were like, you know, we love it when our when our little publication shows up in a TV show. But they're like, but gosh, darn it. He never found his TV guide. Do we need to send you another one? <laughs> Do you? Were you like a big TV? Because you just I. Have not thought about cheers and jeers in a very long time. Was I a big TV guide reader? <laughs> the biggest. <laughs> I would not not even kidding. Parcel it out and have read a different section each day. So like cheers and jeers was always like Monday. And like Matt, uh, Matt Rouse, I think, was their like TV critic. His oh my like goodness. His, his review was Tuesday. And Oh my gosh, I, and then the worst is if I didn't care about the cover story, because that was easily like half the editorial content, and I was always like, ugh. That's funny, I don't think I knew that about you. I mean, I feel like I, if hard-pressed, I, I would to, come to that conclusion, but. I used to, okay, mom, dad, like, keep me honest here, I used to collect TV guides, I'm pretty sure, and I would go back and reread them. <laughs> I'm just now remembering this about my childhood. <laughs> Guys, is it any wonder that it took this long to get a podcast about a TV show? That's amazing. So what did you what did you rate this one? Okay, I it's hard because I think this is a very important episode, a VIE if you will, mm-hmm. but I I feel so neutral on it. So I'm you know what? I'm going to give it 
I'm going to give it seven. I was going to do 6.5, but I'm going to give it seven almost purely for the kitchen scene because I feel like that scene is going to stay with me. Um, so I'm going to give it um, seven um, red bow ties. So I want to give it five. I like, thought about I five. feel like you're pulling me up a little bit to a six. I don't think I can go higher than a six, but I think I'm going to give it five Monte Cristo sandwiches. I think I'm going to give it five. I think, I think, I think it was just not that funny. Uh, I thought it didn't hit all its emotional weight. I, I don't know. I, I felt like I felt like I could see writers high-fiving each other over about like we're gonna knock it out of the park with this one, and then they just didn't. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I have some contempt for the Frasers writers room I need to deal with, but I don't know. Well, I think that a positive is though, if we look at where we were a season ago, I'm fairly certain. Oh we, yeah, yeah. Were we really fed up? We were really fed up with Frasier a season ago. Like end of season five, Frasier was wasn't he the one that was like really obnoxious okay i feel like yeah he's made some strides this season i don't know that we've been i mean last episode where he's dating two women aside i don't know that we've been as annoyed with him as we have but the 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 also the story of the last episode was how much he's kept screwing up yes and i mean i don't know any any episode that keeps Faye in the picture because i'm assuming she might show up again uh I'm happy to have because I think I don't know she might be Fraser girlfriend number one. We should do that in March. Is have a Fraser girlfriend bracket. Oh, I love that. They have to have appeared in more than one episode. I feel like that, or they have to have been like maybe a. No, yeah, they have to appear in more than one episode. Um, what was I? I think we should make a few exceptions for people who have like turned out to be much bigger stars since then. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm good if you're good. I am. Yeah. So if you, uh, you know, are into this bracket idea, maybe you want to think of another one where March is quickly approaching. <laughs> I mean, at, at this no, point it not. is. Like, I don't know where this year went. So yeah, March does feel like it's around the corner. Last March yeah. feels like it was 10 years ago. So. <laughs> but uh, let us know. We are on, we are craniacs at gmail.com. That's C-R-A-N-E-I-A-C-S. We are on Twitter at craniacs. We have a Facebook page. Check us out. It's Craniacs, a Fraser podcast on Facebook. I'm getting much better at it now. Um, And we are on Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Wherever you find us, give us the highest rating you can. Um, If you, you know, typically that's a five-star rating. If you want to give us a lower than five-star rating, Laurel may have a better use for your time. I do. Uh, I just finished a book called TV, parentheses, The Book. Which is written by um, Alan Seppenwall. Alan Seppenwall? Yeah. Is it good? Um. So, hang on. Let me. Let okay. Me sorry. Go. It's on my list. It's. I love Alan Seppenwall. Yeah. So it's written by Alan Seppenwall, and now I cannot remember the other critic who is his co-author. Um, Alan Seppenwall is a critic right now for Rolling Stone, but has been the TV critic for a lot of different publications. I follow him on Twitter, and I'm a big fan. And it was on sale. The Kindle version was on sale for like three dollars sometime oh, in the wow. past, like two months and he just flagged it on Twitter is like, Hey, if you wanted this book? And I was like, sure. So we, he and this other critic um, do a ranking of the top hundred shows like of all time. And they, they have a really, it reminds me a little bit of y'all's villain ranking, but obviously theirs is like longer and they have a really interesting way that they um, come to the total score for every show. And I think it makes a lot of sense. They look at consistency. So if a show just has like an amazing season, but then isn't, doesn't really can't maintain it or something that dings it in terms of consistency. Um, it's really smartly done and it, they provide, so the the whole, the whole book is like essays, almost like little reviews or longer reviews for some shows, um, 
either co-written by both of them or one and the other. And what I love about it is they provide so much historical context for the different shows. I learned so much about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz and their business prowess. Yeah. In in creating I Love Lucy and all of the other shows under Desilu Productions and stuff and how they were like the first production company to maintain, to um, retain ownership of the originals. So after CBS aired the shows, CBS got no more money from I Love Lucy. Like nothing. Um, and so that was fascinating. I just, I, I like hearing other people's perspectives on TV shows. Do I always agree with them? No. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I probably didn't read half the books. They were about shows I just frankly didn't watch. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, yeah, I, I really, as, as now you know, I'm a girl who collected TV guides and read TV <laughs> guide cover to cover. So probably not that shocking that I wanted to read a book like this, but I, I really enjoyed it. He has another book that's that we said about not reading the whole thing that I read called uh, the the revolution was televised because do you know his story? No. He went to uh, and it's been a long time since I read it, so I might be off. But he went to a newspaper and said, "I want to." They said, "Well, it was basically like they thought he was interviewing for a movie review position." He's like, "Well, I want to review television." They're like, "Oh, well, we already have one of those." Like they didn't really wait. I did know this. Yes, I did know this. And in fact, like. In an episode of The Sopranos, they, like, drop a newspaper. Because a lot of them, they drop a newspaper. And Tony goes and gets a newspaper in his robe. And it's, like, a Seppenwall article. And so he had this big thing about television. He's kind of like the... the, the I think he's, like, the father of modern television uh, review, uh, crit- criticism. He did this book where it was all about, like, you know, comparing a bunch of different shows. Like Mad Men, uh, Sopranos, um, Battlestar Galactica, uh... Breaking Bad, I think Buffy was in it. Buffy was a weird one because he's like, it doesn't really fit with the other ones, but the other ones were like prestige television. And it's, it's, does he read the first chapter? The first chapter goes, if you haven't read these, if you haven't watched this show, skip that chapter. And you can, and it's like guided to read that way. Wait, I, I think we're talking about like the same book. No, no, because... no, it's a different book. It's, it's, oh, okay. Well, he says that in this book. Like, yeah, I think that's how he designs things because he doesn't want to yeah. spoil stuff. So, yeah. The, the other one was just like six or seven things and it was pretty thick like Got dissertation it. specifically on what mattered about those and why they were important to, to whatever. It's, 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 this is probably the sequel to that book in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. That, but, it sounds like they touch on a lot of the same things. I'm sorry, the yeah. other author is Matt Zoller Seitz who um, also wrote at, I believe it's the um, the Star Herald in New Jersey with yeah. uh, Alan Seppenwall. That. That's got to be the newspaper. Or Star Ledger. Days. Star Ledger. That's got to be Ledger. the newspaper Tony picks up. I, I That would I, make sense because it's, it's the New Jersey Star Ledger. So I just, I'm sorry. I just, I, I'm a, I love Seppenwall. I think he's very, very, I take his like criticism very seriously. Well, I did not know we had this like overlap here of, mm-hmm. um, of things. Yeah. Um, I, so the, my TV critic soulmate is James, James um, Ponyvazic at the New York Times, formerly of Time. Um, mm-hmm. He and I are in almost total agreement on everything. Um, so, <laughs> and he's tweeted to me a few times in response. I to knew that was coming. Thing. I knew it was coming. Just, but. you know, we're pals. Um, so, anyway. Yeah. Check that out, guys. I I know this sounds so cheesy, but I know I will. Like, I'm very, I, <laughs> I made this go by right now. Um, but yeah, I hope so it's that- still like three dollars on Kindle because I was like, what a deal! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, guys, uh, until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Laurel, and we're listening. Bye, y'all. Bye.